when they're with us here, they're with us for five days, uh, Wednesday to a Sunday. And during that time, there's two days that are devoted to medicine. Uh, medicine sessions are done privately and individually. We only do small groups. So we generally take a max of six participants um, in most of our retreats. And so individual and private medicine sessions, as well as integration check-ins on property. But then there's group activities too. We do morning practice together, you know, a little bit of gentle stretching and then breath work and meditation. We do evening workshops together. We have our meals together. It's good to still be able to go through this healing in a group environment. But 5-MEO being 5-MEO, it also serves us to have that individualized and bit of a private component because this is the most vulnerable state a human being can possibly go into. It's a very supportive, nurturing environment here at the center. And then our idea is to have that continue out into their life to really make sure again that this is ending up in lasting change and is not just a peak experience that fades away and they need to come back and do because they've gone back to their old self again or something like that. Hi everyone, welcome to Psychedelic Conversations. Today I have a really cool episode with two of my friends in the psychedelic space. So welcome Victoria and Joelle. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, Pleasure to, to be here. So great to have this uh, conversation again and catch up. And I've been meaning to have this, uh, you know, meet up for a long time. And I've been also wanting to follow up on your projects and the educational platform. So all of that is uh, something that I want to dive in today, if that's okay. Um, to begin with, I would like to say a few lines from your bio so that our listeners can connect and understand where you're coming from. Uh, you're both in Mexico, uh, Tepotlan, I believe. And you have a retreat center there. So um, first, I'll start with Victoria. Victoria, you are president and the founder of Five, which is the educational platform for Five MEO DMT. You're a medicine facilitator and educator and integration specialist. Joelle, you are the CEO and the co-founder of Cavalia Collective and Tendava Retreats, CEO of Five. And we will also add. Um, the links to our earlier interviews, because I had, I think I had two conversations with Joel already. So you both are returning guests. So it's really exciting to be able to follow your journey. And to begin with, let's begin with your personal stories. I love personal stories. And um, just to refresh our minds, a question to you is, what brings you to this space? Either one of you. <laughs> can start all right um so what brings me to this space you know uh as many of you know i was a, a very enthusiastic psychonaut back in the 90s um and have always been very passionate about these molecules um you know i found a lot of my own growth and my own healing um i've been lucky enough to be able to study under some of the uh, the pioneers of this medicine and 
retreats are really where I got my start at. Um, you know, have, all of our team have a background in hospitality. Um, we love being in service to our fellow human. And the concept of creating a space that allows people to feel that they're stepping out of the ordinary into the extraordinary um, allows a very conducive approach to some of the most confrontational work that a human can engage in. Um, and so, you know, my practice has evolved over quite some time. Um, my background, as I said, is hospitality, but also um, yogic, um, yogic and Vedantic philosophy and teaching. Um, so I was a teacher, uh, am a teacher of this type of philosophy for around 15 years now, or a little more. Um, and now finding my uh, finding our passion, our drive in helping deliver and uh, present 5-MeO-DMT to the world in a safe and effective manner. Amazing. Victoria, what about you? Yeah, beautiful. So I have been in the medicine space for probably about 11 or 12 years now, um, working with different medicines. You know, my first interactions with medicines were in a recreational fashion, which I think most of us find that in our, our teenage years and whatnot. I was the same. Um, when I was 19, I stumbled across ayahuasca and getting to find myself with such a powerful medicine at such an early age, just shifted and transformed my life in a, in a way that I couldn't even understand at that moment. And so after that, I stopped seeking medicines in a recreational fashion and only in ceremonial ways, learned a lot, spent a lot of time with different, different medicines, different teachers, um, ended up serving Cambo uh, a little, a little down my path. I had a really beautiful connection with it, seeing the power of it. It was really funny, actually, um, with Cambo, I had no desire to work with it. I, I went to one of those crazy, um, those crazy retreats back before I knew that it wasn't uh, the best thing to go to a retreat with many, many different medicines stacking. But during that time, Cambo, there was three back-to-back -back Cambo days there. And uh, in that found some really profound healing. And so that was my first step in service uh, was with Cambo and then found my way to 5-MeO-DMT. Um, for many of you know, I have a background in sexual trauma and you know, working with the different medicines, I was able to get a lot of work done, but it wasn't until I found 5-MeO-DMT where things shifted in a very profound way for me. And so after that, I I, I was determined to dedicate myself to yeah, learning everything I could about this medicine and shepherding it out in a, in a powerful way. So yeah, that's a little bit about my story. Thank you so much, both of you. That's really beautiful. There's something powerful about the personal stories. And when I was at the psychedelic conference and where we were together uh, in June, um, something I wanted to also ask for both of you for your observations, actually. And I really wanted to have conversation in person with you there, but I know you guys were so busy. It was really difficult to catch you both together. And But just coming back to the psychedelic conference, the science conference in June in Colorado, what I was observing um there were about 12,000 attendees and all of them you know all walks of life and some of them were dressed in suits and business-like and entrepreneurial and some of them are shamanic or therapists neuroscientists all walks of life but then something all of them actually were connected in one thing and their personal story coming into the space that was so powerful like it was you wouldn't you wouldn't have all of those people that 
kind of diverse and dynamic, you know, um, people in one under one roof. But the stories, their personal stories, I think, connected all of us. Um, that's why I find them really amazing and beautiful. And of course, the people that I speak to always have that passion and inspired to carry further because they come from that kind of background. So, so talking about the psychedelic conference, how was it for you? What did you guys observe? Both of you can, you know, maybe give me some of your observations. I'm so curious uh, about your experience. <laughs> well, we didn't get to see one talk or go to one thing. <laughs> so our experience was limited to the confines of our booth. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, uh, as you said, it was, we were very busy uh, that week. And so we, we had a big event right the night before the events, the conference started, which was really successful. It was a fundraiser for our nonprofit, Ketsali. Um, so we raised around 12,000 U.S. to go towards supporting indigenous infrastructure within Mexico. Um, specifically, those funds went to supporting a specific community um, within the Huidatica or the Huicholos, um, the guardians of the peyote medicine. Um, and so that was very successful and very lovely um, and also very exhausting. You know, we live in a small mountain town in Mexico now in a very beautiful, serene location and uh you know, because we're running two companies and holding retreats two to three weeks out of every month, we don't really have a social life. Um, and so that many people um, was it was a it was a whole lot to uh, to experience uh, that quickly. Um, and I'll, I think a lot of uh, a lot of our team was uh, a lot of our team fell a little under the weather during the travels, too. So it was a bit of a it was a lot, but uh, it was. You know, it was a whirlwind. Our booth was humming. Got to speak to a lot of people who were very interested in the impact that 5-MeO-DMT is going to be able to have in the world. Unfortunately, like I said, we didn't get to see any of the talks. Um, I was on, I spoke once, I was on a panel um, around uh, kind of um, clinics and retreat centers and the future of psychedelics. And from what I gathered, apparently uh, retreat centers had been taking a bit of a hit in some of those panels. And uh not getting the respect or understanding that they deserve. And so it also went to show that a lot of the um, the inexperienced ignorance behind the psychedelic movement, a bit of it was still present. Um, you know, when we did our seed funding round in 2020, there was a lot of investors that were brand new to the space, um, quite sure of how they thought that uh, the future of psychedelics is going to look like. But, um, you know, I think most people can agree now that it's probably not going to be a prescription-based service like SSRIs. Um, this is something a little different. And this is something where a bit more of a holistic um, understanding of the psyche and the body together is needed. Um, but there were still a lot of investors, from what I'm hearing, um, who are not looking at retreat centers as serious or viable businesses. Um, but then quite a few who are. so. That was really the only uh, one of the only things I got to see was uh, was that everything else was within the confines of our booth. Yeah, I, I wouldn't add too much more to that, except for I'm sure, Susan, you got to experience this there, especially after COVID being kind of like the first Mecca where all the psychedelic pioneers and community were all coming together. And it was so beautiful because we had spent, you know, 
quite a few years just seeing each other online, just the virtual screen and getting to to be in that space together and actually see each other in person. There was just this really beautiful, beautiful resonance and also getting to witness what is happening in the psychedelic space. There's so much, it's booming and it's actually incredibly inspiring to see because we can see that there is no stopping the psychedelic revolution. Like it's on and that's a great thing for the world. I love that. Thank you again, both for sharing that. Um, when you were talking, Joel, I remembered this quote. Uh, it's my current favorite. I love quotes. And it says, healing is a holistic affair. Uh, that kind of speaks to what you guys stand for. And um, especially with your five educational platform. Um, I was just going to read these few lines. Uh, your, you know, your, your motto is so inspiring. Your mission at five, to provide the world with a centralized hub for resources and education on 5MEO DMT. As the psychedelic renaissance is expanding, like Victoria said, it's just unstoppable right now. And what a brilliant time to be able to pull together such a platform that you guys have done. It's so inspiring because I watched it from the birth. Because last time we spoke with uh, Victoria, I think you were just launching it. So now I would like to go into that direction and tell us what's been happening since then and how is it going? What are the results? What are the, you know, the interest uh, and the work that you're undertaking there? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's it's been such a beautiful birthing and process to see where it started and where it is now. You know, originally the call to start this education platform was to bring some type of order to a space that seemed to have no order in the 5MEO space. It was answering to all of the different harms that people were befalling under, um, you know, practitioners who didn't really have the skills that they needed to safely hold a space. And so, you know, there's no possible way to support every single facilitator in, you know, effective, safe and effective best practices. But what we can do is we can educate the world. Anybody who's coming to work with this medicine, as long as they have the education, they can safely and responsibly walk into working with this medicine. And so that's what we aim to do. And so we we created, at first it was this, this giant website with over 35 pages Anything you could need to know, FAQs, you know, information, contraindications, resource banks, and it started to grow. We started to add on, um, you know, something we're doing right now is monthly webinars. So we have amazing, um, amazing speakers coming in to talk on different topics who they're, who they're experts in those spaces. So it's been really incredible to see the community coming together to join those webinars, to learn more about 5MEO, to educate themselves. We've got um, actually free bi-weekly integration circles, which has been really well received in the community. It was definitely something that we saw that was needed. I'm sure for anybody who is a part of the different 5MEO forums, you know, every few days, there's somebody calling there for help of some sort, you know, going through some crisis. And so having a space every every couple of weeks where there's a free integration circle uh, with our integration specialist, our favorite integration specialist, Otto Mayer, uh, leading it, it's, it's been really great. And we've had many um, people reaching out saying just how much it's changed their their process. Um, the other thing is our training program. So I think you and I had a, a talk about this on our last chat together, but, you know, we had a three month 
refinement program for facilitators. So anybody who is already facilitating, um, they were coming to sharpen their skill sets. And then we had a one-year program. So, you know, these are a lot of the people in our cohort for the one year have been mental health professionals, physicians, um, people who are already serving other medicines, but wanting to step into the role of service with 5MEO. So we already had our cohort for the three-month graduate. Our one-years are going to be here next month. Um, for the one year, it was two weeks on site at the end of it. We're super, super excited about it. And um, what we've actually done is we are combining the two trainings into one, into a nine-month program. So whether now it's going to be whether you are a facilitator or you're stepping into facilitation with 5MEO for the first time, it's going to be a nine-month program. And so what that looks like for anybody who's curious or interested is eight and a half months online every single week receiving topics or multiple topics or sometimes just one topic with it handouts and videos that you can digest on your own. And then every week a community call where everybody comes together in the training and we cap it at 15 because we like to keep small numbers. Nobody gets lost in the cracks that way. And we're talking about the topic and really digesting it, getting to know it. And then again, at the la at the very last two weeks, they're here on site at the Tandava Retreat Center, getting hands-on experience. And we've wow. got an amazing, amazing group of um, of guest teachers. You know, we brought on over thirty-five additional teachers who are specialists in various fields to really be able to offer the most well-rounded understanding of the most potent molecule that we know of. This is yeah. so wonderful! So wonderful. And yeah, and then five is you know where what it's doing now, um, and where it's going is uh, is actually growing quite beyond that. Um, you know, we are now engaging in research as well. So we're partnered with University College of London for an upcoming study in January. Um, where, if anyone who's listening, we still have ten slots open. Where we're taking thirty-two healthy volunteers um, to have the peak four to six minutes of the five meo experience captured in a sixty-four point EEG set. And this will be the first usable data of its kind on the real neurological mechanisms occurring within the 5MU experience. And we're very thrilled about that. And as 5 is the owner of all of the IP and the protocols that we use here at the Tandava Center, we are also utilizing the Tandava Center as a data collection source, essentially, to provide 5 with further data um, on different outcomes for different um for different conditions, everything from treatment-resistant depression to chronic pain um, and other functional neurological disorders. Um, and so it's getting very exciting as FIVE begins to move its way towards clinical trials itself um, and towards possible FDA approval in the U.S. And so uh, FIVE is, is moving at a very, very quick pace right now. And you guys at the forefront of all of it. So, Apparently. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Um, for our listeners, like I, I cannot stress enough for them to go and check it out because we'll have all the links, the five platform, the uh, website provides everything, everything. And um, you're right, Victoria, it's just lit literally the centralized hub for for the beginners, for the, you know, people that want to do the facilitation, learn. Everything is there. So for our listeners, um, I really, really, you know, recommend to check it out. So the research and studies and data and moving it through the uh, FDA approval. What do you guys see? How far in the future? Uh, what needs to be done? How can we contribute, the rest of us, 
um, what needs to be happening in order to move it up as well, just like the psilocybin or the MDMA currently? So that's going to be, that question has a few different answers to it. Um, and right now, you know, as many of us know, the, the process through clinical trials towards FDA approval is usually at least a seven-year process um, to make it through phase one, two, and three, um, and then to receive FDA approval. There are a few companies that are in there um, that are in phase two and even 2B. Um, you know, we have Beckley SciTech, we have GH Research as well. Once one of these companies does bring it through um, FDA, um, FDA approval, they will have 90 days to reschedule it from a schedule one. Um, but, you know, let's say if we're starting from scratch, from a phase one, we're looking at a good at least seven years. We're looking at a few intense capital raises, but we're also feeling that we are very best suited for bringing this particular molecule forward because of our experience. Um, you know, one of the larger models out there right now that's on its way to phase two does not involve any therapeutic context. So they are looking at just a dosage protocol. Anyone coming from experience knows that this will in all likeliness be disastrous. And what worries us, you know, when you said, what can we all do to help? Um, what worries us is companies that are trying to quickly push 5-MeO through clinical trials without an understanding of best practices and without an understanding of the bigger picture and the nuances of 5-MeO-DMT is that they will inadvertently harm someone and the repercussions will be irreversible in terms of us losing any chance of actually succeeding on moving this through FDA approval. Um, and so that's a big concern of ours. Um, you know, perception is very important at this stage. And if a clinical trial participant ends up having a psychotic break eight weeks after their experience, because they were not given the proper context to manage um, what can come up during the process of integrating a 5-MeO-DMT experience, then we have just seen a huge disservice being done to the world um, in terms of 5-MeO having to remain an underground and kind of wild, wild west, unregulated type of experience where you know, groups like ourselves and some of our colleagues have, you know, had the benefit of working with these molecules for quite some time and seeing the different ways they affect people over time. Uh, and so, yeah, that's our hope that people will and the other companies will remember to go slow and to move cautiously and to remember reverence when it comes to these type of experiences, remembering that this can be one of the most confrontational and yet meaningful experiences of a human being's life and approaching it with such reverence. Yeah, yeah, very, very important. Thank you for sharing that. So um, I was just gonna add on to this. There is a, cause you know, as you guys know, we um, I lead also microdosing integration and uh, a couple of our community members uh, were sharing links to a study uh, done with psilocybin and they concluded some negative outcomes and results but when I really looked into the paper and really looked into the setting and what they were doing, it seemed like a um, very sterilized uh, environment. People were taken out of their lives and out of their context. And like you said, Joel, just a dosing. And they were really good at the dosing and the frequency and all of that. But none of the rest was taken in, in consideration. And of course, results directly uh, impacted. Uh, I, I'm hearing yeah. the same as you speak. I'm hearing the same. So 
there's a lot needs to be done in order to even have these uh, studies to be accurate and mm -hmm. uh, so that they can really show the real real life true results of how people are doing because this is a because if you look at the work of psychedelic medicines all of us there in the space it's a long relationship it's a lifelong almost relationship connection and then there is a lot that goes in so of course we're having these conversations and hopefully it's kind of uh, sparking some you know ideas and new way of thinking and looking at these molecules and the medicines um what would be the ideal research study for 5-MeO, for example? So mm, there are many ideal ones. Right now, we've got a lot of anecdotal, anecdotal evidence to support um, chronic pain, um, very, very significant resolution to chronic pain or central nervous system disorders. Of course, there are huge shifts with depression, anxiety, huge shifts in the way um, a body and psyche carries and holds traumatic memories and traumatic experiences. Um, and so this is one of those ones that if we understand how to work with the molecule um, as a tool rather than seeing it as a cure, and that's where, again, we get concerned with a dosage-only protocol because these are not curative agents. We may get relief for four to six weeks, but our life will come back to us. Um, but if we can utilize this molecule as a doorway um, to gaining deeper and more direct access to the deepest parts of our psyches than we are ever allowed, and then utilizing them within the container with skilled specialists and an intuitive holistic program that is created to work at the participant's pace, um, then I mean the types of research studies that can be done and kind of objectives we can move towards are limitless. Um, for example, the research that we have coming up in January, the different research papers that'll be able to be written off that data can lead towards deeper understandings of the serotonergic uptake inhibitor system, um, deeper understandings of the how our brain deals with inflammation and getting to understand to a greater degree the anti-inflammatory responses we see with some of the serotonergic psychedelics. Uh, it will help us understand deeper what occurs and why a mystical experience seems to have such a significant impact on an individual's life. You know, and I think that's one part that no one's really looking at right now in a serious way. Of course, we're looking for biomarkers of, you know, neuroplasticity, et cetera, what's happening here, but there still is that elephant in the room that we can't ignore. I mean, how many surveys and questionnaires have been done where people reported that having a mystical experience was the most significant experience of their life. That says something. How can we all of a sudden feel so empowered to shift our lives in such dramatic ways and to all of a sudden overcome such serious hurdles um, just from having an ineffable experience that's, that transcends the mind? What is to that? And perhaps understanding that to a deeper level is, I mean, of course, has far greater implications, in my opinion, to the human experience and to consciousness itself. But uh, yeah, it's an exciting one for us. It's a very exciting one. Amazing. I guess, of course, the studies and the research have limitations, but there is, it's, it's again, the only way to move it forward. And I understand that. So, um, but as a, on the side, we keep doing these, you know, data collection results and, you know, having our own you know, experiences and speak of them, I guess, to push through 
the limitations. So thank you for that. Um, for our listeners, if they are tuning in for the first time and they've never heard of five, uh, what would be the simplistic way of explaining, like uh, talking to an eight-year-old, for example? Because there are so many medicines out there right now in the mainstream. People are so confused. It would be amazing to have that from either of you can contribute. Yeah, I'd love to share about that. So 5-MeO-DMT, um, the substance itself, it can be found, it can be found in the human body, but it can also be found in different plants, animals. You know, one of the most common forms that it's being used from is the bufalvarius secretion. It comes out of the parotoid glands. But actually what we work with here, uh, it's known as the pure molecule. Sometimes people call it jaguar. It's synthesized. So it's pure 5-MeO-DMT. And, you know, if, if you want, we can go into this later, but it's a, actually a much safer option. Um, and also for the toads, of course, we don't want any more harm to come to them. So that's what we use. And the reason people are coming to 5-MeO-DMT is the experience that it produces. The experience being an opening inside of us. You know, in the peak experience of 5-MeO-DMT, there is a a shutdown, a shutdown of the default mode network and ego dissolving. Um, so sometimes people can have the experience of experiencing themselves without the I present, without the self. And for so many of us, you know, it's the I, it's the self that holds on to all the patterning, all the stories, all the traumas, all the suffering. So for to a moment, get to experience ourselves with all of this, without all of the things that causes us suffering can be one of the biggest liberating experiences of freedom that we could ever have. And then coming back into the body afterwards to re-experience ourselves with the knowing that we're so much more than the stories that we carry, it really gives us a new outlook on this experience of being a human. But I also think that it's important something to say is that that full disillusion of the self isn't always what we're going for. I think a lot of the time what we see here at the retreat center is people kind of searching for that magic bullet to come and do the world's most powerful psychedelic. And maybe they have depression and that they think that one time they're um, going to sit with this medicine and suddenly everything is cured. And, you know, another thing that we see here with that is coming to work through layers. So maybe somebody has some, some deep layers that they need to work through and you know they don't have that full bliss experience. And that's completely okay. Not everybody is meant to go to a full bliss state in the first journey. Sometimes we have to address the things that cause us to suffer first. And honestly, that's where we see, I would say, some of the biggest transformation and healing with 5-MEO. And I would say, practically speaking, um, 5-MeO-DMT is an alkaloid that produces the most powerful psychedelic experience that we know of. It lasts generally 15 to 20 minutes on average um, and is what separates it from all other psychedelics is like Victoria was saying, instead of where we take something and we go on a journey, it's that sense of subjective self that falls away. So it's quite a different experience um, than any other psychedelic. Um, and can be certainly classified as a mystical experience or religious experience. That's so clear. Yes. So the distinction is that uh, one loses themselves in the experience. There is none of this subjective, the I that Victoria speaks of, um, is left. And I do, um, I hear people talk about this white light and completely 
the language and all of that gets dissolved. Um, but then while this is all happening, uh, there is a lot of uh, activation that is also happening. So they could really um, physically can be activated, right? So that they can be, sometimes we see random videos. I don't think they should be allowed on, on YouTube. People rolling really? around, right? Rolling around after ingesting or smoking this medicine. So what are your thoughts on that? It's Is unfortunate that the YouTube videos are out there because they give people a very false idea of what this is supposed to be. Um, the people who are filming their sessions and putting them on YouTube generally are not abiding by best practices um, or else they wouldn't be filming someone's most vulnerable experience in the world and posting it on YouTube. Um, these people are also generally dosing at very outdated dosage protocols. Um, there was a few, we can call them charlatans, um, who had their, their, their time in the light in the mid 2010s, um, who, you know, set forward a hundred milligram, um, toad secretion dosage protocol, which is pretty much twice what most people need and is actually harmful and traumatic to many people. And generally there's no preparation involved. So what you see on YouTube videos will be a very, very harsh, extreme version of how it can actually be done. But, uh, yes, as you said, you know, there we can go completely unconscious or, or super conscious um, in this experience to where the body can lose control and it can look like a bit of an exorcism or even look like a seizure. And that's why this medicine should never be done by yourself. Uh, there should always be trained, experienced facilitators serving this medicine without any exceptions. Yeah, I, I would also just say for anybody who is looking to work with 5-MeO-DMT, Facilitators who are generally posting videos like that are using marketing gimmicks, you know, kind of that awe and shock to draw people in. So it's kind of a red flag for sure. Yes, agreed. So we covered what 5-MeO medicine is, and then we covered some of the best practices. So now let's talk a little bit more about the harm reduction um, I mean, I can I can do a whole one session on this, honestly, like a one whole podcast just on the harm reduction, specifically when it comes to 5-MeO. I guess this goes back to what Joel said. In case somebody loses control of their bodily movements, they go unconscious, um, which then puts this medicine separate from the rest where, you know, at some level, the, the others can, you can still be in control. You can still be sort of navigating the space in your conscious mind but with this medicine you're looking you you literally are handing yourself over to a facilitator that you need to trust and know that they're capable and experienced to hold you through this experience although it's short acting i think the fact that it's short acting can also um, create this thing of oh it doesn't matter it's only 15 minutes anyway right so maybe you guys can speak a bit more about what you see as what, was, what should be uh, talked about when it comes to harm reduction? I would say that there's like a, definitely a few main topics. One thing that we definitely want, want to be responsible, we, we're responsible for human life here as facilitators. So we want to make sure that we are not killing anybody. So we're screening. So something to definitely look for in screening is that it's not a verbal screening. It's a written screening. It's so easy for important information to get lost in the crash yeah. when it's coming through a verbal screening. Um, so if you if you're looking to go and work with this medicine, 
please make sure that your, your facilitator is thoroughly screening you with a written screening process. Um, preparation, preparation, preparation. You know, your facilitator should really want to get to know you. Getting to know everything that you're coming to the table with, your traumas, what medications you're on, you know, every there's so much. There's so much to look into here. The other thing is physical harm. So like you were saying, the body can go unconscious. Uh, you know, people could could roll around, their heads could get hit, um, asphyxiation, sometimes people purge. So making sure that facilitators are first aid certified, that they know how to do CPR. And then the other thing that we need to think about too, that a lot of people don't, I think, bring their awareness to is the instability that can come afterwards with this medicine. You know, it is a powerful tool for catharsis and it can bring everything up to the surface. A lot of it can be released in the session, but it actually, we see it almost like the process starting when people leave the mat. So the process is like full on. Oftentimes people are feeling a lot coming up, emotions, memories, different experiences. And so people can feel pretty unstable. Um, this is one reason that we have a multi-day retreat. They were in people's processes. We're not just piping them, bringing everything up and sending them home. We're in their process with them. So yeah, there, there's, there's definitely different things to think about um, as a facilitator here. Yeah, this is great. So for for instance, if somebody come to you for your retreats, um, what does that look like? What's the whole, just, you know, just a few steps uh, for us to give us a picture of what does it look like, the whole process? So first they have a discovery call with someone on our team, um, just so they can have any questions they had answered, just so our team can feel out if they're a good fit um, for coming to do a stay here. Um, getting to give them a layout of what the whole experience is like and make sure that they know what they're signing up for. And then medical and psychological screening and intake, making sure that we are not going to inadvertently harm them in any way by giving them the substance. And then we begin the preparatory process. So we do a few weeks of prep first remotely via Zoom, getting to dive into their process, helping them narrow in on an intention, seeing what they're looking to get out of all this and how they want this experience to reflect in their daily life in the days, weeks, months, and even years to come. Um, also addressing fears, looking into potential challenges that may arise and how we setting a bit of a plan on how we may navigate them. Um, when they're with us here, they're with us for five days, uh, Wednesday to a Sunday. And during that time, there's two days that are devoted to medicine. Uh, medicine sessions are done privately and individually. We only do small groups. Uh, we generally take a max of six participants um, in most of our retreats. Um, and so individual and private medicine sessions, as well as integration check-ins on property, but then there's group activities too. We do morning practice together, you know, a little bit of gentle stretching and then breath work and meditation. We do evening workshops together. We have our meals together. It's good to still be able to go through this healing in a group environment, but 5-MEO being 5-MEO, it also serves us to have have that individualized and bit of a private component because this is the most vulnerable state a human being can possibly go into. Um, and so, you know, everything else here is created to support the process, a good combination of ancient practices and modern therapeutic modalities um, using things like neurofeedback and biofeedback, um, but then things like uh, traditional Temescal sweat lodge, you know, run by a local Temescalero. Um, Different practices that are all really 
worked around nurturing that new neuroplast, that new neural growth, those new patterns that were being formed. So continually operating a bit outside of the known and outside of the comfort zone during the stay, but at the same time, making everything as comfortably as humanly possible and as nurturing as possible. Um, it's a very supportive nurturing environment here at the center. And then our idea is to have that continue out into their life so that each participant's assigned an integration specialist from our team who they would then work with for four weeks after the retreat to really make sure again that this is ending up in lasting change and is not just a peak experience that fades away and they need to come back and do because they've gone back to their old self again or something like that. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Why does that happen? Why do people take all these powerful medicines and then go back to the default, the usual conditioning? If we want to go through the scientific reasoning or the neurological reasoning, you know, the neuroplasticity that is afforded with serotonergic psychedelic use, of course, yes, it creates those new neural patterns, those new pathways or dendrite growths. Except if we don't do anything with them, they'll fall away um, after four to six weeks. They will literally break down. So the only thing that needs to be done to nurture those is do things outside of your comfort zone, do things that are outside of your normal, regular patterning. It's just very easy for us to be in this open state where we have these potentials, but then we allow ourselves to go right back into that same groove that we've been in before, fall right back into familiarity. Um, and go back completely to the known, which is what the mind wants us to do. The mind is uncomfortable in the unknown. The mind is uncomfortable with the idea or thought of expansion, hence the contractions beforehand. But if we allow ourselves to be held and help navigate through um, that, that's what we need to do to really make sure that this lasts and continues to change. We want to honor this as a process rather than a one-time event that cures or shifts something within us. This is a process in which we can engage with it for as long as we choose to, to find those resulting um, or those desired results. I, I would also just add the education piece around what integration is being so important. You know, we get people here at the center who've been to you know, multiple ayahuasca retreats and psilocybin retreats, and they've literally never been explained what integration even is. So they didn't even do it. Integration wasn't provided to them, so they didn't do it. And so one of the things that we do here is on one of the evenings, we have about a two-hour workshop on what integration is and what to do with it. And then we give them the, the integration, and it's not even an option. Like, it's included in their, in their package. So you know, education is definitely important. Something that we notice after we do that workshop is every single workshop, there's people asking to take pictures of the, the things that we brought up. There's an inspiration inside of them yeah. to want to, to have change in their lives. And they now have the tools to be able to do it. So I do think that there's a, a big importance on any facilitator, no matter what medicine we're working with in educating our participants on integration and how to move forward. And for facilitators, essentially just if you, teaming up with integration specialists, making it a part of the process, the more we can move away from the, the event-driven shift and move towards the concept of the process, the more we are able to honor our own human nature and our own evolution and actually engage in this effectively. And so it is, of I feel, of utmost importance for all facilitators who are not simultaneously mental health therapists 
to be teaming up with integration specialists and making that part of not just, hey, if you need help afterwards, we've got integration support. The idea of integration support as damage control is BS. It is absolutely antiquated information. It's what a lot of us thought many, many years ago, where so this isn't damage control. This is benefit optimization. This is taking something and honoring it as a process. And so therefore engaging in it beyond when the not so subtle elements of the process are over. It is allowing us to tap back into the subtle aspects of our everyday life and to work in the beyond mind experiences we've just had and allow them to make sense. Mm, yes, this is beautiful. Reminds me of that concept uh, I read not long ago. It said, you need to give your mind and your body a reason to change, reason to hold on to the change and then embody it. That's mm -hmm. the process. So I feel like that's integration. Um, and also the group integration also very precious, like doing this together with a group of people. Uh, I feel like it kind of increases the connection because, you know, if you look at the trauma-informed perspective, that's one of the reasons people are so lost, the loss of connection. So I think it's almost like reviving all of that back into the qualities of um, the optimal life. Yeah. yeah. You know, if we're if we're coming to do this work to really to work into some wounds, let's say I'm I'm suffering from significant trauma. Um, and let's say, you know, because of that trauma, a good portion of me has been numbed to stimulus for a long time. And then all of a sudden beginning to crack in there and starting to feel a whole lot of things that my psyche has not allowed me or protected me from feeling. It's going to feel very vulnerable and very raw and very visceral. And it really, really, really helps to have some sort of guidance and some sort of structured integration so our mind doesn't automatically retreat back to the familiar because that's going to be its nature, even though we know cognizantly that we are healing and in a healing process. And yes, we understand the idea of it might feel worse before it feels better. Integration is where we have a, a framework or a geography to, uh, to navigate that so we don't just run back home. Yeah, that's so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Okay, so we covered a lot of ground here. And as we're coming to the end of our conversation, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on, if that's okay. And one of them, can 5-AMIO medicine be microdosed? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, with all, with all um, you know, people are saying that it can't. I know uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Two fellas out of Canada are doing uh, a platform utilizing pens at under one milligram dosages. I have yet to see any type of dosage that provides a produces a sub perceptual experience. Um, in my experience, any level any level of five meo is going to be perceptual. So it can be used in subtle ways, perhaps. You know, we've got one retreat that we do called Bridging Heaven. That is a it's a meditation entrainment program. It's a silent retreat. It's only for people who have already sat with 5-MEO and, um, and are looking to deepen their meditation practice, but we utilize low doses with the pens and it's very beautiful to work with, but it's by no means sub-perceptual. <laughs> and so a true, a true microdose I have yet to, uh, I have yet to witness in, uh, in 5-MEO. Well, thank you for being honest. This is great, <laughs> great information. Cause at the moment, the, microdosing space is having it's um, you know it's so big and huge in this movement and uh, 
there is conversations everywhere that you can microdose everything and anything. So, yeah, to counter that, I think, yeah, one of these medicines would be 5-MeO to kind of separate. Uh, even at the low doses, um, I think I want to tie that in with um, the sensitivity threshold. Joel, maybe is that what you guys talk about? Because some people are so sensitive, even the even the microdose is a massive full-blown experience for them. So I can imagine, and it, yeah. And one person may have one day to where they sit straight up during a superhuman full release dose and it barely cracks the surface. And then another day where they're served what's considered to be a, a handshake or very light dose and it takes them out. Yeah. And so as we always say in our training, 5-MeO-DMT is highly unpredictable. I've been completely mowed down myself by two or three milligrams. And I've also stayed present through 15 milligrams. It's um, a bit of a tricky one. <laughs> yeah. Do you have an idea why that is? It's so unpredictable. Is it the person? Is it the container of the person? Is it just the way it is? I, I would say it's a multitude of things. I would say one is this, of course, sensitivity where people are at with, with this medicine and other medicines. You know, one thing that we ask is, um, whenever we serve somebody, how have you responded to, for example, ayahuasca? Are you a one cup person? Are you a three cup person? From there, it helps us to kind of determine. Also, it's the state of mind as well. Like I've noticed for myself, if I am in a moment of my life where things are quite calm and peaceful and I'm in a, a space where, yeah, there's just opening. I can take a very small dose and go all the way versus if I'm in a moment in my life where I'm super busy on the back end from morning to night, you know, on the computer and having to think a lot in my left brain, then my my ego is like holding on and it doesn't want to let go. So yeah, th those are definitely a few, a few things. Yeah, that's very helpful indeed. Um, so can we, uh, is there anything that you guys are burning to share? Have we left anything or is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners before we can go to our last closing uh, conversation? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, we covered quite a lot. Yeah. So a lot to think about. So now I wanted to ask you guys, what are you working currently, your current projects, future projects? I know you mentioned about um, collaborating with the studies and research data and the, all of that, but is there anything exciting happening for you? And how is the unfolding of your expansion as leaders in the space, as a person, as your individual progresses? I mean, I can just, can't even comprehend what this level of work can do to one, you know, the individual, the psyche and the progress and the elevation of consciousness. So you can maybe say a few things on that, but then um, future and current projects. Oh, yes, yes. Future and current. Um, we are very excited to be looking into more research um, as we advance. As I had mentioned, we've been shifting our operations at Tandava Retreats into more data collection. Um, and so this data will be able to be used as real-world evidence to be proving um, cases to the FDA, etc. Um, we are currently launching a our next capital raise, which we're hoping to wrap up at Wonderland uh, next week. And so this next uh, this next round of funding is going towards our expansion, towards bringing on or towards uh, allowing us to better store and track, analyze and utilize and leverage the data we are collecting 
to further understand the mechanisms behind this powerful, powerful experience and to better be able to serve the public as we use, utilize this evidence that we're gathering to further improve and evolve our protocols that are then used at the on-site um, spaces as well. And so our, our, aim, our aim is within the next seven years to be opening mental health clinics, holistic mental health clinics within the U.S., and offering 5-MeO-DMT in a multi-day multi container. Um, well, multi-week container, but they'll be with us at least for a few days on site. Yes, very powerful. Um, also, do you agree that, you know, having such biblical um, event like pandemic, um, you know, from a therapy perspective, we always say that there's a consequence to those kind of events and usually we'll probably experience the real effects about four to five years after the event has happened. Do you guys also see um, that um, the landscape of the clients are changing, even in the UK? Because the UK is a very reserved country and the landscape of the clients and the people that are seeking this medicine are really changing. Before it would be people who are really call themselves the psychonaut and they're exploring all different kinds and they call themselves free thinkers. And now we have mothers we have young adults who are enraged and suicidal and all those kind of mental health challenges. So I think it's so timely and needed. So I want to thank you both of you thinking for the future to create these clinics and to just, you know, provide what is necessary to take us and carry us further. I think we're heading into more uh, intense times. I don't want to be negative, but I think it's very obvious we are. Um, so this is wonderful. And Victoria, one last thing from you, if there's any words of wisdom, anything that you would like to leave our listeners with, and also where can they find you? Mm, words of wisdom. Okay. Yeah, there's a quote that's popping up for me. The world is giving you exactly what you need in any given moment. And I, I just love that quote because it opens us up to the fact that there's medicine all around us if we have the eyes to see and the ears to listen. And where people can find us is our education website is fibe-meo.education and our retreats are tendaverretreats.com. Wonderful. And we'll add all the links again in the show notes for people who are actually uh, visiting our YouTube to see you. And some of, some of our listeners are listening on Spotify, so they hear it and then they go and check it out. So we'll have everything in the show notes. Guys, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough. And it's always a pleasure having you with us and looking forward to witness the unfolding. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you everybody for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation and please do comment, share your experiences, ask your questions, get in touch with uh, Victoria and Joelle for anything. Uh, don't be shy and I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us. Psychedelic Conversations podcast is designed to educate, inform and expand awareness. For more information, please head over to psychedelicconversations.com. You can also share with your friends or leave a review so that we can reach more people. You can also join us in our private Facebook group, 
to keep the conversation going. This show is for information purposes only and it is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.